Welcome to today's discussion, Digitizing Financial Management, sponsored by Grant Thornton. Now here's your host, Jason Miller. Welcome to the discussion today. My guest is Demeek Adams, a principal at Grant Thornton who leads the financial management practice. Demeek, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Let me set a little context for our discussion. In many ways, federal CFOs are at the center of the agency reform efforts. Budget and data from spending are driving decisions about everything from the locations of offices to federal workforce modernization efforts to shared services to deregulation around things like grants and acquisition. Without a doubt, it's, it's an exciting time to be an agency CFO and in the federal financial management field. Let's just look at some management priorities under the president's management agenda. Getting payments right, a, a very simple stopping improper payments. A cross-agency working group highlighted 159 findings, came up with 28 priority recommendations that will be made public over the next few months. Additionally, each agency program reporting an estimated cash loss of over $100 million will provide goals and milestones, along with progress updates to improve how the prevention of improper payments that result in a cash loss. Of the top 24 programs with that cash loss, nine saw drops in the amount of improper payments between 2016 and 2017, including the Earned Income Tax Credit and the Medicare fee-for-service. The focus by the administration of these types of initiatives combined with the development of technologies like robotics process automation, machine learning, is creating a tremendous opportunity for the financial management community. So how can agencies jump on that so-called bandwagon, improve not only their financial management, but their overall business processes, and in turn, serve citizens better? Well, that's where our guest comes in. Once again, Demeek Adams is a principal at Grant Thornton who leads the financial management practice. So I just picked the one PMA uh, priority that kind of stood out to me in proper payments. We talk about that all the time, but there's a lot of excitement in the financial management field. Talk a little bit about what you're seeing. Talk about what, 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 gets, what gets you up in the morning. What gets me up in the morning is my wife to start. Um, a good alarm clock, right? Yeah, I mean. The elbow to the. And having six-month-old twins and a two-year-old, right? Those, those things get you up in the morning. But uh, the passion for the financial management community is also what excites me. And what the time we're in right now, right? I mean, this is a huge time of disruption in a positive way. And disruption creates opportunity, right? And I think everyone should be excited about the opportunity that a lot of disruptive technology like RPA and machine learning and artificial intelligence create. It's interesting you talk about disruption. I had a very interesting conversation recently with, a, with another vendor, and they talked about how IT modernization, and I know that's kind of a separate topic from us today, is, is causing that same disruption. I feel like that, that same issue is happening in the financial management community. So maybe talk about why disruption is happening. It's not yeah. just technology. We've seen new technology for, for the last 20 years come and go. Agreed. I mean, you go back 25 years ago, the internet, we weren't using the internet. We weren't using mobile phones like we are now, right? Like there was a lot, there's been a, a evolution of innovation over time. Um, what I think we're seeing now in the market, though, is using technology as a business partner, where technology is used to enable processes where in the past it was more of the, the systems were the innovation, and then we just used technology to communicate information out, right? Where now there's a, a convergence of not only the systems, but other technology to enable humans to do um, more in the market. And I think that's a great point about the fact is that technology as that business enabler. We hear that and we've heard that for years, right. but the difference today is the fact is that there's a, a, an understanding, I guess, from the CFO community that why technology is there and why it's important. So maybe talk a little bit about when you talk to CFOs, when you talk to people in the financial management community, you're hearing a different tone, a different view of technology, I'm, I'm guessing. Some of that is uh, market driven, right? I mean, the budgets are declining. 
um, in most agencies and CFOs are having to kind of reduce budgets, but also keep up with outputs, right? And expectations to deliver quality data and clean audits. So obviously the, the introduction of technology like robotics process automation, which will allow you to take manual processes that take a lot of time and labor effort um, and streamline that are very exciting because now not only are you able to get to things more timely, you're able to do other things that you weren't able to do because you just have capacity issues. And that's that's a big push from the administration. I, I seem to repeat this often, but they want to move people from the low value to the high value work. Yeah. And I think that's where, where things like RPA comes in. Maybe talk a little bit about how that organization, when CFOs and you're, you're working with CFOs in the federal agencies, how, how are they looking maybe to optimize, to, to be more impactful yeah. with through the use of technology, but other things as well? Yeah. Some of the most strategic CFOs right now are not simply just looking at what technology they can implement into their environment to streamline processes, right? What we're collaborating with our clients on is thinking about the enterprise view and more so the people aspect. There's a lot of discussion around bots and machine learning and AI. It's all technology, and there's an absence of the discussion around the people, right? In the federal government, 70 to 80% of their budgets for appropriated funds are made up by salaries and expense of either um, FTEs in the, in, in, uh, in the federal government or contractors. So we have to be more aware of the impact of this technology on the workforce to, in order to really truly optimize the outcomes of this technology. I'm glad you put in contractors there. I was about to call you on it because when you say 70, 80%, I was like, well, what up? Oh, all right, you got it. Yeah. Because I think that's the other piece of it is a lot of times contractors, they're all about, if you will, butts in the seat. Yeah. So talk a little bit about where RPA, let, I want to get into the workforce side of it, but let me start with the technology first. And, and when you talked RPA, what other technologies are, are gaining ground or gaining, if you will, popularity? I would say in addition to RPA, obviously machine learning and artificial intelligence is buzzing in the market. Um, what we're finding though with our clients is that in order to really take full advantage of some of these technologies that are also evolving themselves, one, we have to get the data right. We got to get back to the basics, right? A lot of times we're not capturing the right data to even leverage the algorithms that are embedded into machine learning or artificial intelligence to make it useful. Right. So there are some positive benefits that we can gain. But if we can get our data right, we also have an opportunity to get more insights than we we even expect. That's a great point of the data. And we had some of your colleagues on the show previously to talk about the, the challenges of with data. So let's jump over to not just the data side, because we can go back and, and people can listen to that those other shows, which yep. are quite interesting. But let's talk a little bit about then if you get the data right, then you have to have the workforce. Yes. So let's get into the workforce discussion. Since the CFO Act of 1990, the financial management community and the federal government, we've been highly sensitive to getting a clean audit opinion, right? Getting the transactions right, getting them out, making sure they're accurate and, and timely, right? So we've created almost a transactional mindset. And with the uh, awareness of RPA and other disruptive technology, we now have an opportunity to streamline some of those transactional processing to move to a more analytical and strategic view. Now, with that, though, you still have to understand that we have a workforce that has operated in that environment for the last 
you know, 20, 25 years where the transactional inputs were and outputs were the way they were measured as far as results and ratings. So we have to consider how we change that mindset about now, how do I um, retrain or reskill transactional outputs to being more analytical and strategic? Does the robot come first or does the retraining come first or do, are they happening at the same time? I mean, what I would imagine is you don't want somebody to be feel like they've been replaced. Okay, now what do I do? Now I'm waiting. What are you seeing in terms of those two things happening at once? Unfortunately, uh, we see a lot of use cases where other vendors are pushing the technology, right? It's exciting. It's fancy. It can kind of give you a real tangible re return on that investment. But what we're trying to do is kind of be a little bit forward thinking with our clients and really comprehensive, not to just think, so show you that you can spend this money and get this return, right? Streamline these processes, but thinking about the broader risks, right? So we're, we're, we're thinking about it, and I, and I like to use the term bionics and digital finance. And I, I want to break down bionics for a second because I know it's another unique term like robotics and things like that that sounds fancy but I'm, I'm thinking the bionic woman of course from the 1970s so probably before his time right i mean he's, he's you're probably not that old yeah him. bionic woman uh <laughs> i heard about that six million dollar man Come six on. million dollar man i was educated recently when i we started thinking about something that made sense to align with what we're trying to do here right because to your point with the uh six million dollar man the bionic woman they had ordinary human capabilities that were somehow enhanced by technology, right? And that's really the fundamental construct of our solution to how we want to help our clients. We know technology is extremely useful and can add value, right? But what, what's missing is how do we enable the human to transition from a transactional mindset to a more strategic and analytical mindset, leveraging this technology and, uh, we look at this through a few lenses really around our performance driver model, right? Because at the end of the day, performance is the ultimate goal. In the federal environment, it's not for profit, right? It's mission driven to, to demonstrate ROI on taxpayers' investments, right? So very performance driven industry. So we are looking at this from the lens of our performance driver model. Before we go down the path of the bionics and digital financial management, which, which we will, Let's, let me just tag back to the workforce for a second. Is the workforce ready for this change? The financial management community, I know, yes, they're ready. Do they know they're ready? Has it been communicated to them in the right way to reassure them that they're ready? I think that's where there's an opportunity. I think this really, when you look at robotics and all this disruptive technology, people start to drift towards a technical lens. But really, this is a change management exercise, right? We have to readdress what their jobs would look like, understand that this is not about losing jobs. This is about reshifting the focus and driving value for taxpayers. And I think that's key is to, for, for CFOs and, and people like yourselves from Grant Thornton to remind their customers that this is about shifting focus, right? This is about driving value. What are the conversations you're having with your clients today when, when you bring up this change management piece that it's not, technology is great, yes, but as we've heard many, many times over the years, it, this is about culture change we try to put ourselves in their shoes, right? At the end of the day, if I hear something about a robot, 
right? We saw movies and things where robots are replacing humans and things like that. So, you know, you, you tend to drift in that in that direction. We try to simplify it a little bit, right? In a sense, because when you think about robotics, it's a, it's a gross oversimplification of what it is, but it's really a macro on steroids, right? If they thought about, oh, this is just really a macro that I'm putting in place to kind of do something for me. But now when I get to do these other things that I weren't able to do, I think that then gives them a sense of comfort that it's not about replacing, but it's about complementing and leveraging their value as a human because nothing can replace a human. Right. We think about robots. We think about, you know, Terminator and Skynet and all those fun things. And it's just really an advanced piece of software. Let's take a quick break. We come back. We can get into uh, bionics as well as digital financial management. You're listening to the discussion Digitizing Financial Management, sponsored by Grant Thornton on federalnewsradio.com in 1500 AM. Here's Laverne Council, Grant Thornton's National Managing Principal, Enterprise Technology Strategy and Innovation on CIOs as Trusted Leaders of Transformation. The four components of digital trust include secure and reliable technology, consumer confidence. People have to believe you're going to use their data the way you say you are. Partner alignment. Our third parties and people we work with have to use great processes and quality, and ultimately, the employee who are always in the middle. For the full discussion, visit federalnewsradio.com, keyword data chaos. Welcome back. You're listening to Digitizing Financial Management, sponsored by Grant Thornton on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today, Dameek Adams, a principal at Grant Thornton who leads a financial management practice. Now, Dameek, before break, we started getting into this idea of bionics, this idea of digital financial management. And both of these concepts, while not necessarily new, they're offering the financial community, specifically in the in the federal market, this kind of new approach. And, and it has many different pieces and parts. Maybe walk us through what Bionics is and maybe some of those pieces and parts. So Jason, I generally cringe when I hear people quote Webster's Dictionary. So in context of this, I would just say that Webster supports this definition of Bionics being the enhancement of ordinary human capabilities through the use of devices and technology, right? And we see that in things like prosthesis and the medical industry, et cetera. And really that's ultimately how we see our solution in, for bionics and digital finance. Um, it's really just augmenting those capabilities that humans have with the use of technology, but assessing the overall impact to the human by looking at it from a, a skill set to an output, an outcome perspective. And we do that through five dimensions, leveraging our performance driver model. We do that through org structure, culture. We look at the people, we look at the process, and we obviously look at the technology. And as and you're going to have a pop quiz on this, Jason, in a second. So I just want to be very clear to the audience when we say those five dimensions. So from just to be lay when we're talking org structures the hierarchy talking about the people it's the aspects of their skill set their personality you're talking about their culture it's really the values the you know the benefits the outcomes of that organization what they look to achieve and thinking about the processes obviously and the end processes that they have and the systems not only just their financial systems or other feeder systems but also what other technology they plan to infuse into the environment all right, so of those five, am I supposed to, what's my pop quiz? Am I supposed to pick one that I like the best? So this is your pop quiz question. When you're thinking about optimizing an organization through technology, which one of those five do you believe is the most important? Can we play the Jeopardy music real quick? We should. All right, we should, we should yeah. I will tell you, based on a previous conversation about change management, 
that culture seems the most obvious one. But based on our also conversation about people, I would say that's also very important. And based on our other conversation about technology, I would say that's least important. So I'm not answering your question. As you see, I'm delaying here to think about this a little bit more. You sound like you live in D.C. and you're a politician. And, yeah. I'm a journalist. Let's get, let's, let's, don't insult me. Come on. All right. So here, here's what I'll go with. My final answer is, and I can't phone a friend, can I? You cannot phone oh, a friend. I cannot friend. phone a friend. Okay. I thought I could. All right. My final answer is I will go with culture because you talk about values and benefits and, and really what's the end result. So do you have do you have the sounding, the, the ding, 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 right? Ding, 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 ding. That, so, was, that was pretty good. That was uh, that was uh, Demik, by the way, not 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 electronics. So good job. <laughs> I, I'm I'm robotics, right? <laughs> I'm bionic. That's what I meant to say. But yeah, basically, it's really a uh, culture is the number one driver. Actually, Harvard Business Review did a timely article in its September October um, 2018 collection around uh, a culture of curiosity, right? And they really looked at the business case for curiosity. Now. Uh, try not to cite clients um, to make it seem self-serving. That's why I use Harvard Business Review as the source. So, you know, other smart people can attest to the benefits of curiosity. But, uh, but, but let me jump in. But, yeah. but when you talk about your clients, and I think, do they have a curiosity? Or one, one of the things that you talked about at the very beginning is the difference between now and previous technology is this idea we're not just doing technology for technology's sake, but they see the enabler. What if we did this, to, would that result in better outcomes? I mean, is, is that, the, you said that was the difference in the beginning. Is that also the primary driver of, of this move to bionics, this move to digital financial management? Yeah, so that's a great question, Jason. And um, there's a lot of environmental factors that's gonna impact that answer, right? So there are curious, a lot of curious folks out there, but you have to look at how they're incentivized, right? Their clean audits are their first um, and foremost priority in the financial management community, right? Getting transactions out timely is how they are a lot of times assessed. So I can't just, curiosity in, in our environment is not enough, right? And that's where the change agents, um, like some of our clients, like at Coast Guard, at the Department of Justice, at the Department of Treasury, where they're doing a lot of innovative things, um, in addition to the, the, the blocking and tackling that they have to do based on their evaluation, um, is is very imp- impactful, and I think that's a it's a great point around. It's not just incentives that the agencies have, right? If if OMB says you, or a IG says you, know, you didn't meet this five things, then well, next time we're going to meet those five okay. things. But if right. someone says, hey, if you do these other things that result in better, faster, cheaper, that they have there has to be something there. So what what is an incentive? What could be some incentives that you're seeing, whether it's Coast Guard, Justice, or Treasury, or somewhere else? Generally, like most things, it comes back to money, right? At the end of the day, their budgets are their budgets, right? And saving money, they're not incentivized to do so, right? So how can you incentivize them with certain projects where they're going to execute on these innovations that's going to streamline processes, allow them to do different things, but not penalize them by taking their money away, Right. So I think that's one of the key things that would be helpful. Is that happening anywhere in the government or can you point to another client, whether state and local or private sector, where you see that type of thing happening, that incentive structure is the right one or at least getting toward the right one? Yeah. So so I would say that what I'm seeing with my clients is that they understand that they have a long laundry list of things to do that they're not getting to. 
right? So they're using these as a, they're using this as an opportunity to cut down on the manual processes so they can get to that long list, right? So they're still having to spend money, but they're now able to accomplish more um, with the funding that they're provided. So they're taking it on themselves not to wait for the budget changes and understanding, you know, that may not happen in our lifetime, but they're looking at other ways to incentivize their staff with rewards and incentives. Um, I know at NASA, they, they did a, um, an, an incentive program where they allow their their staff to get involved in what types of innovations would be helpful to make their jobs a little bit more um, impactful and streamlined. And then what those ideas that were submitted, they actually funded some of those in, um, innovative ideas to execute. The other side of this is the process side, I think, and I'd like to, to maybe go down that path a little bit. One of the benefits of RPA, Bionics, whatever we're going to call it, is to get out of these low-value processes, yeah. again, the transactional side of it. When agencies get out of it, what, what's the reaction? Like, many times, are they surprised? Wow, I don't have to do this anymore. How nice is that? Like, what, what kind of, what do you hear from agencies when, when you talk about process and improvements? We at Grant Thornton have a, what we call a, a financial management maturity model, right? Where transactional is where you start. And the ultimate goal is to get to analytical and then to strategic, right? The strategic CFO is the CFO of the future, right? Where they're now able to be at a table, take data that is clean that you know you can rely on and provide actionable insights to the different c-suite colleagues and or program areas right to improve mission performance right and i think that's where the benefit is coming in from some of our agencies we've talked a lot about benefits throughout this better faster cheaper better data sharing there are risks too that agencies i think need to be aware of what are some of the ones you're seeing and that's where the culture aspect comes in the risk is from a people side right how do you transform a workforce that's been so incentivized by transactional processing and clean audits to move them towards a direction where they're thinking about innovation, they're thinking about being more analytical and strategic, right? And the Harvard Business Review pointed to two benefits to address that risk, right? Because the culture of curiosity is the key ironically and this was not intentional when i saw this grant thornton that's one of the biggest investments we've made over the last few years is in our culture we spent millions of dollars we trained over 75 percent of our staff across the country to really understand what we want our culture to be like and let them be a part of that culture journey where we having culture conversations before every big every meeting we're even taking it into our client sites and how we engage our clients and using culture concepts so whether I, I am doing a project in D.C. or I go to California or I go to Kansas City, our culture is radiating throughout and we're seeing huge dividends in how not only we service our clients, but what our people experience is like internally. And is that culture, whether Grant Thornton or what you're bringing to your clients, asking that easy question, well, it's easy to ask but hard to answer, what if? What if you did it this way? What if you thought about it that way? Is that the curiosity piece? Agreed. It's uh, really our values around collaboration and one of the other values is around respect, right? So uh, really allowing folks to be able to express their opinions and in a respectful way, but also understanding that diversity of thought is important, right? No, no answer is a bad answer. And that way we're getting to less decision-making errors because we kind of thought through full comprehensive solutions. And as well, everyone feels engaged and a part of something that's growing. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. 
You've been listening to Digitizing Financial Management, sponsored by Grant Thornton on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I've been your host, Jason Miller. Let me thank my guest, Dameek Adams, a principal at Grant Thornton, who leads the financial management practice. Dameek, thank you so much for your time. This was a fascinating conversation. Thank you for having me. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsradio.com and search Data Chaos. Listen to the entire discussion, Digitizing Financial Management, sponsored by Grant Thornton at federalnewsradio.com, part of the Federal News Network.